if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed. Seven minutes after the hour, 10 o'clock, and hour number two is underway on this Friday edition. It is the ninth morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. I told you we're packed up today. Former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, tremendous conversation last half hour. Coming up at the bottom of this hour, we will talk with former Ohio State Representative Christina Hagan for her regular commentary spot at about 1035. But now, at the top of hour number two, I want to welcome to the program, I believe, the first person to announce her candidacy. And if I I'm wrong about that. I'll apologize. Uh, her candidacy for the soon-to-be vacant seat uh, of uh, Rob Walker, Senator or Rob Walker, excuse me. I just talked to Scott Walker. Rob Portman. Uh, Senator Portman is stepping down or is not going to run for re-election in 2022. And former ORP chair Jane Timken said, I'm in. And she said so early. And she's here to tell us all about her campaign right now on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, Chairman Timken, thank you so much for the time. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. Am I correct? Are you were you the first one into the pool here in what has become a very crowded pool? It is expected to get more crowded in terms of a Republican primary for uh, for that Senate seat. Were you the first one in? I, I was one of the first, exactly. And it was important to get out early. This is going to be an important race. We need to take back the Senate. And I have been encouraged and greatly uh, supported by many Republicans across the state. The campaign is going incredibly well. And as you know, we need to take this fight back to the Democrats in Congress. Look what's happened in the last few months with Joe Biden and Democrats in charge. We need to stand up and fight for our freedoms and fight for our country. And that's why I'm running for the U.S. Senate. Well, we definitely need to do that. Yeah, there's there's no question about it. I want to talk about what it's going to take, though, to win that fight. And it's not just numbers of people with R's after their names. It's what the people with R's after their names are going to do. I'll be honest with you. I've not been a huge fan of Rob Portman. He's been far too rhino for me, far too wishy-washy on a lot of conservative principles and legislation uh, and votes. Uh, and I've wanted someone who is a true conservative to sit in that Senate seat, to represent Ohioans, and most importantly, to be a part of a conservative majority that is going to restore you know, the, the liberties uh, that have been taken away from us in this republic. So are you that true conservative I'm looking for? I am. And look, I have a record of 
standing up and fighting back. As you know from my history, I stood up and ran for chair against John Kasich's hand-picked chairman with the endorsement and support of President Trump, and I cleaned up the ORP, and I turned it into a well-oiled machine that delivered conservative victories time and time again. That's the kind of person I am. I will not sit on the sidelines. I will get into the fight. We need someone who's going to stand up for our conservative principles. And someone's going to Washington to to push back on the Democrats. What's happening to our country is un-American. And we need to fight for our Republican principles, our freedoms, and our liberty. You know, I just uh, I just described Rob Portman, you know, with all due respect to him and his service to the country as too rhino for me. And you just mentioned the name John Kasich, and you kind of fought against uh, his handpicked guy for, for chair of ORP. But you were a huge Kasich fan. In fact, in the, uh, 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 in the 2016 primaries, you were very much in the corner of John Kasich. He's about as rhino as it gets, maybe along with Mike DeWine, quite frankly. So you, you've, got, you've got kind of a back and forth there going, don't you, with respect to true conservatives and conservatives, um, or I should say Republicans in name only, like John Kasich. Well, I wouldn't call myself a John Kasich fan. Uh, I never donated or supported his presidential campaign. Look, John Kasich walked away from the Republican Party. He's no longer a Republican. And when he and um, the former chairman of the party pulled away from President Trump, I said, enough is enough. We need to stand up for our, our president and our nominee. And that's what I did. I was all in for President Trump. And my husband and I hosted the first fundraiser for President Trump here in Ohio when others would not. So I stood up with the support of President Trump and ran against uh, Kasich's handpicked chair, who had turned the party into a mess. And I have been advancing the America First agenda of President Trump for the last four years, traveling the state of Ohio, talking to voters understanding their needs, but also advancing that America first agenda that was working for this country. And it's tragic what's happened to this country now. And that's why I'm planning on going to the U.S. Senate and fighting for our country. Well, I'm glad we're talking to former ORP Chair Jane Timken, who is now a candidate for Rob Portman's Senate seat in the Republican, what is a crowded Republican primary field. Since you brought up President Trump and your support for America first, I'm still trying to figure it out. Maybe you can explain it to me if you are actually a Trump supporter. Um, everything you just said sounds great, but considering the trouble that you said you had figuring out, figuring out how you would have voted on the uh, article of impeachment, um, even after he left office, or at least after the election was over, um, you know, and you said that Anthony Gonzalez had a rational reason for voting to impeach him. I have to ask you directly, are you a Trump supporter for real? And how do we know for sure, given those comments about uh, Anthony Gonzalez, who turned his back on the president, turned his back on his party, turned his back on due process in voting along with the Democrats to impeach him? Well, let me be very clear. I disagreed with Anthony Gonzalez's vote. Uh, It was unconstitutional, and it's the Democrats who are lawless and wrong. I've made that very clear. Anthony Gonzalez is wrong. I've also called on him to resign because he cannot represent his constituents who are against that impeachment. So make that very clear. Well, well, if we're going to make that very clear, but but if I may, I apologize, but if we're going to make that clear, I want to make this clear. You made that call for his uh, resignation after you announced your candidacy for the Senate, correct? Correct, but li- listen. What that I said doesn't that kind of look, doesn't that kind of lean toward politics rather than principle? Here, you really need Trump's. Like I said, it's a crowded field. You need Trump supporters to vote for you in the Republican primary for this Senate seat. How do we know that you're not just 
appealing to, okay, I really didn't mean what I said about Anthony Gonzalez having a good reason before. I think he should resign now. How do we know that's not politics rather than principle? As I said, I disagreed with Anthony Gonzalez's vote. I made that very clear. I have always been a supporter of President Trump. I've spent the last four years traveling the state of Ohio, advancing his agenda, talking about the great things that President Trump achieved for our country, the promises made and promises kept. I have been his supporter. I've been his strongest supporter in the state of Ohio. That is very clear. The people of Ohio know that I've been out there talking about President Trump for over the last four years and been his supporter. So I want to make sure that your listeners and the voters of Ohio understand that. Well, look, I, I appreciate that. But like I said, there there is some inconsistency there. When you said that Anthony Gonzalez, two things, actually, if you could respond to both these. Uh, number The first one will be that, you know, the chairs of several other state GOPs of the 10 Republicans in the House who joined the all of the Democrats to vote to impeach the president without due process, they censured their Congress members who voted that way. Here in Ohio, even some county GOPs have done so, but the ORP that you chaired did not. So, number one, why did you not hold a vote or issue a personal censorship of Anthony Gonzalez as o, uh, ORP chair? And then secondly... You said that he had a rational reason for voting to impeach him. What was that reason? I said he he had his reasons. I disagreed with his reasons. Don't put words in my mouth. And let me make it very clear. I stepped down as chair before we could have a meeting for censorship. It is my understanding that is on the agenda for the next Ohio Republican Party meeting under the leadership of Bob Paduchik. And look, okay. we need well, someone well, who's going to go to I Washington, don't want to put words D. in your mouth, so I'm just going to read the quote, okay, if I, if I can, from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. Their quote was, and you can tell me if they misquoted you, I think he's got a rational reason why he voted that way. So it's a specific uh, A reason. Do you know what that reason is? I have no idea what his reason. I'm, what I said was I, he had his reason for his vote. I disagree with his reason. I just want to make that very clear. I never supported the impeachment. I never supported Anthony Gonzalez's vote. So when you, they also quoted you as saying you don't know how you would have voted. Is that up in the air for you? Why, why would you no, not it is know? Not. Why would you, in other words, why wouldn't you just say, well, of course I would not have voted to impeach him. That's ridiculous. I, I, I had made that very clear. It was ridiculous. I will repeat it again. The impeachment was lawless. And I will go to Washington, D.C. and fight back against these lawless actions of the Democrats. They're the ones that we need to be fighting back against. That is why I'm going to the U.S. Senate. They are ridiculous with their cancel culture, their overreach, the way they are sliding into socialism. The policies of the Democrats are the ones that we need to fight back against. Well, you're right about that. There's no question. And, and whoever is going to take this seat, and God, pray, we pray to God, rather, that it is a Republican that replaces uh, Rob Portman, and moreover, that it's a conservative Republican, somebody who isn't going to be wishy-washy. Um, I want to talk to you about Ohio politics, again, going to your role as ORP chair. Um, you have been supportive of Governor DeWine. Um, what 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 is your impression or your opinion of the way the Republican governor... Um, who listened to the directives of his Democrat health director, Amy Acton, when establishing the COVID policies that have devastated the people of the state for 13 months and counting. I was kind of hoping that our 
Republican, you know, uh, monolithics, you know, uh, uh, control of the state government with the General Assembly being so strong, strongly red and a red governor. I was hoping we would actually treat this thing a little bit more the way Governor DeSantis has done down in Florida than the way Governor Cuomo has done up in New York. Um, what is your impression of the way Governor DeWine has handled this whole thing? And why do you think he listened so much to the Democrat who was so wrong on so many fronts on COVID? Mm-hmm. Well, look, Ohio has done a better job than some other states, but I think it's now time to lift the mask mandate. Uh, as you said, so many Ohioans were hurting during this pandemic. Businesses were lost. Jobs were lost. Um, we are now slowly opening up. We are open up more, but we need to get back to the way we were before this pandemic. And look, I think it, Amy Acton, uh, not a fan I think she, uh, her policies uh, were very harmful. When you look at the, the kids were not in school, their mental health was at risk. Many Ohioans had lost their jobs and their businesses were closed. We need to change all of that. I disagreed with the governor on the curfews. I think that was just not wise policy. It made no sense. But Ohio needs to get back and open for business. Yeah, I agree. And one of the ways, I guess, or at least one of the potential steps to getting back to to, to normalcy, if you will, is Senate Bill 22, uh, which did pass finally. But there were several other versions of that over the course of, you know, 2020 in the fall and winter of 2020. Uh, where we couldn't get Republicans together. Leadership in the House and in the Senate would not get together, and we couldn't pass something to uh, override a, a Mike DeWine veto from months ago. Could the ORP have done more? Do you think, could you have done more to unite GOP leaders in the Assembly and the governor to, to, try, to, to try to bring some reason and rational, rational response to this virus rather than the, uh, like I said, the devastating policies that we've been stuck with for 13 months? Sure. I mean, the Republican leadership in the state house they should have overridden the veto, and thank goodness they have now. It's all about separation of powers for me. Uh, that our state house needs to have input on these uh, health orders um, because they're the ones that are representing the constituencies of Ohio voters. And when they go back to their districts and they find that people are very upset with the health orders, they should be able to have a voice in this. And I agree that with the fact that they overrode the governor's veto yeah and and i'm glad to hear you you talk about separation of powers um you got to talk about you know the the use of those powers too that's the reason i brought it up about whether or not the orp could unite uh the leadership of the gop in the assembly against executive overreach i think mike dewine is guilty of executive overreach as a matter of fact let me ask you this do you support or have you decided whether or not you support mike dewine's campaign for re-election um, look, Governor DeWine is running his own campaign. I'm concerned about my U.S. Senate race. The people of Ohio will decide who the next governor will be. I'm planning on being the next U.S. Senator from Ohio. Does, will you eventually issue an endorsement for governor, or are you going to stay out of it altogether? I, I think it's best to leave it up to the voters. Okay, so you're not going to... And the reason I ask, like I said, because to me, the General Assembly did a lousy job of protecting this state from executive overreach. And if you're one of our representatives in the Senate, if you're one of the most powerful people in the world, really, the 100 members of the United States Senate, convince me that you won't let the executive named Joe Biden run roughshod over the legislature in Washington the way Mike DeWine has done over the Ohio Assembly. 
Well, it's one of the fundamental constitutional frameworks of this country, and it's the beauty of our country that we have three separate branches of government. What you're seeing right now with Joe Biden and his, what, 400 executive orders in three months is exactly that executive overreach. Uh, he, uh, His administration gets power from the legislature. That's how it works. And we are the ones that in the U.S. Senate will stand up and fight back against the Democrats and their government overreaches, in particular in the executive branch. Uh, And you look at what happened yesterday with his announcement on gun control, that is absolutely unconstitutional, and the Congress needs to stand up and fight back against that. Uh, We're talking with former ORP Chair Jane Timken, now candidate for the U.S. Senate. Uh, Of course, she'll have to battle a bunch of people in the Republican primary. To that end, I'm giving a speech on... um, Monday to the Strongsville GOP, the Strongsville Republican Club there. Um, and next month, they are holding a huge event. Um, it's uh, it's uh, the Ohio uh, Political Summit. It's May 15th. And according to what I'm told by the Ohio GOP, Virtually anybody and everybody who's a candidate or maybe a candidate for the Senate is going to be there. Uh, Dolan, uh, uh, Gibbons, Johnson, Mandel, Moreno. This is just for the Senate side. Um, have you committed to to, uh, to be at that event on uh, May 15th, uh, Chairman Tenton? Uh I, I'm not sure yet. I haven't decided. I, I have to talk to my team. We'll see. I obviously welcome. I'm a big supporter of Strongsville. Uh, GOP, I think they do a great job, and uh, I, I believe I have the invitation, and we'll see. Is it a schedule thing for you, or just not sure if you want to do it? Oh, I would. I, well, I've already spoken previously to the Strongsville GOP uh, quite a few times. I, uh-huh. I have to have to make sure it works with the schedule, and Got you it. know, these Senate campaigns are busy campaigns. In fact, I'm down here in Florida getting ready to listen to a bunch of strong Republican leadership, uh, Christy Nome, Ron DeSantis, the president, will be speaking uh, tomorrow night. So I'm excited about that. Well, I know the schedule uh, challenges. Believe me, I have to turn down many speaking engagements because of conflicts like that. I can only imagine as a candidate for Senate, so I totally understand. Uh, well, listen, Chair, and by the way, I hope you'll uh, forgive the colloquial chairman when I say Chairman T- uh, Timken. Chairwoman is a mouthful. Uh, but former ORP Chair Jane Timken, I thank you so much for your time today and letting us know where you stand on all of these issues, and I wish you the best of luck. Thanks. Have a Thank great you day. Thank so much. You too. All right, 1024, uh, there you have it. Uh, if you want to get in to respond, I'll have maybe time for a call or two at the bottom of the hour here before we go to Christina Hagen coming up at 1035 right here on The Authority. for Bob? A comment? A complaint? Hit up the authority message line. Call 216-525-1806 and make your voice heard. That's 216-525-1806. Call the authority message line. You know, from time to time, our uh, board operator slash producer slash ops guy, Josh Booth likes to put hidden messages in his uh, in his bump back music. Uh, I'm trying to decide if that was Call Me over the Call Me message line or if it was Blondie for Christina Hagen. But obviously he doesn't know Christina Hagen is not a blonde. So no, that doesn't work at all. Christina Hagen is a former Ohio State representative, and she's our regular 1035 guest for commentary on everything going on inside the state and in national politics as well. Joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. How are you, Christina? 
Hey, Bob. Good morning. Uh, doing well. I am not a blonde. You are correct, but you can call me. So that oh, beautiful. I mean, we will every Friday. You better believe we will each and every Friday, as we've been doing now for a couple of months. So glad to have you and uh, glad that we are doing this. Um, before we get into the news of the day that you and I want to discuss, including gun control and yesterday's Biden gun grab and the dangers of that and his statement that no amendment in the Constitution is absolute uh, is simply staggering to me. But before we do that, I don't know if you had a chance to hear the conversation I had. We, we need a stalwart conservative in Rob Portman's seat. Rob Portman himself is not that stalwart conservative, and that's what I'm looking for to fill that seat. And I just talked to Jane Temkin. Um, I, I don't know if you heard all of it or some of it, uh, Christina, but what is your perspective? Is she the type of conservative uh, that I'm looking for here, in your opinion? You know, I didn't hear the conversation, Bob. I apologize. I was chasing after kids here a little bit, get them crowd before I did this interview, so I didn't hear the discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have the uh, direct desire to put my thumb on the scale here. I think people should do their homework. They should listen very closely to what the candidates are saying and make an educated decision. Um, I will tell you that I have always been a conservative from Stark County. That's that's all I have to say. And I respect that. I, uh, well, you know, the, the part that, you know, she's taken heat, you obviously know. She, um, she actually defended Anthony Gonzalez after Anthony Gonzalez became one of only 10 Republicans in the House to join the Democrats in impeaching Donald Trump. And she said he Correct. had a rational reason for doing so. Uh, and she basically defended that until she ran for Senate. Once she announced her candidacy for Senate, which is what I asked her, then she said, by the way, Anthony Gonzalez did a terrible thing. He should resign. I, I mean, you've been in politics for a long time. That's the kind of thing I, that bothers me. That That's was a sharp, right there. Yeah, that was a sharp flip of opinion, no doubt about yeah. it. And, I mean, that's, you know, you, people have a lot of information. They can do their homework. Um, they can see what's being said, how it's being said, and that's up to them. You know, I give all of the power and authority to the voters on this. I think people are very wise. Um, and they need to be prayerful about who we're sending to Columbus, Washington, D.C., even our local governments, any position of power. We need to make sure we're getting true, true, um, heartfelt conservatives in those positions, or else we're going to continue to see the swampy policy, as you discussed. Amen. And that's um, what it is. But, you know, I mean, we have a long track record in history, and you know that I've not always been their pick. Um, but I will say that Jane was supportive in my bid against Congressman Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, previous to that, when I ran for Congress against the Anthony Gonzalez, I was not the choice. So that's, that's that fact or fact. Um, but it's not my job to uh, decide for anybody else. Uh, understood. Understood. And as a candidate in the past and an elected official and maybe a candidate in the future, I totally understand. Uh, you want to look out for, you know, you, your own interest and not put your thumb on the scale. This is a crowded field, by the way, between, uh, between, uh, Jane Temkin and obviously Josh Mandel and Bernie Moreno and, and there are a whole bunch of other people who are, uh, uh, um, Mike Gibbons, who have expressed an interest in running for this thing if they haven't already announced. So this is going to be a very crowded Republican primary for that seat. And I totally understand if um, you don't want to, if you don't want to, uh, you know, choose somebody from that group. Some some wonderful supporters are trying to draft me, and I keep telling them that our heart is in the house. <laughs> I know that. We've talked about that before, and I think you would be a great draft pick if you were to go along with it, but I totally understand where you are as well. Um, let's pivot to what happened yesterday, uh, Christina Hagan. Six different executive orders uh, in an attempt to basically uh, repeal the Second Amendment. And, and people say that's extreme, that's hyperbolic. It's not. I want to read a quote to you 
And then I'm going to ask you if you know who it's from, and then we'll talk about it. This quote was on Reddit. It was just last year. So this isn't a 20-year-old thing in which somebody may have evolved a position. This is from last year. Quote, while at ATF, I conducted studies involving people who failed background checks to determine how many later committed crimes with a gun. Many did. This is a perfect opportunity to arrest people before committing crimes rather than responding after the fact. CNN even reported on this. Do you know who wrote that tweet or that message on Reddit, uh, Christina? Well, I can't say that historically I heard it in context, but if I had to take a wild guess here based off of his pick and nomination, I would say that it's David Shipman, Biden's ATF director choice. Boom. That is exactly correct. How terrifying is it that the man in charge of ATF, or as Joe Biden likes to refer to it as AFT, how terrifying is it? that a guy in charge of that agency believes in arresting people for not committing crimes. And that's literally what he said here. We should. This is a great opportunity to arrest people before they commit crimes. In other words, innocent people who have done nothing wrong, but we predict might in a future, at a future point in time, uh, commit a gun crime. Yeah, I mean, this is Biden's continued track record of picking intensely um, intensely divisive um, individuals. I mean, this guy is uh, nominated, but he was a gun control lobbyist. Um, he also thinks law enforcement did the right thing at Waco. He is just absolutely atrocious. He was the worst possible pick for this position uh, to be able to actually govern in any fair or unbiased way. I mean, this guy is absolute garbage of a pick. Well, it is a garbage of a pick. And, and here's the other, one of the other orders yesterday. And I tied these two things together in my monologue this morning. And tell me what you think about this. Speaking of innocent people being targeted, it, which they would be in, in, in the message that Chipman just, uh, uh, advanced. Red flag laws, national red flag laws, which would require, not require, rather, it would allow uh, family members or close friends or acquaintances of people that the family member or close acquaintance feels might be in a dangerous place, might be, for whatever reason, a threat or danger to himself or others. These individuals can go to the police, go to the courts, and request that these fi- the firearms be removed from the possession of these individuals. Just based on laypersons' um, opinions of someone's psychological makeup and whether or not they might commit a crime in the future with their firearms. What this red flag law does is it lets the cops go and confiscate these guns from people who have done nothing wrong and then put the people in a position to have to hire attorneys and spend Lord knows how much money and time going to court to get their gun rights back. Uh, Again, how terrifying is that, Christina Hagan? It's absolutely horrifying. I mean, this is a continued intense, um, intense, intensified state of nanny state by neighbor. I mean, we saw this during the early stages of the pandemic, people reporting people going without masks, people doing business, people trying to put food on their table. And now if you have a dispute with your neighbor, uh, if you don't like the way they cut their grass and they happen to own a firearm, you can report them and uh, make sure that their personal property that is lawfully theirs uh, be seized. It's absolutely insane. Um, I remember discussions of this actually in my primary with Anthony Gonzalez. We were at the Canton uh, Repository Editorial Board interview. Uh, Gonzalez was asked directly about this and said that he supported red flag laws. So this is a very real concern, not only because it's being pushed by the Democrats, um, but there are also uh, rogue conservatives or rogue Republicans, rather. I won't label them as conservatives in this sense. Um, But what I think 
you know, I think our safeguard is here is that the Senate needs to keep every single member they have and add 10 Republicans. This is the time for the public to remind their elected representation in the United States Senate and House that there is no room for this type of insanity um, in our day-to-day lives. And this will absolutely cause immeasurable chaos and just unlawful actions and the seizure of personal property. It is disgusting, it's wrong, and it has no place in our free society. Uh, totally agree with that. Uh, we're talking with Christina Hagan, former Ohio State representative. Let's go to state politics now. Um, this is a tough thing. Um, I just got done again talking to Jane Timken about executive overreach. I think Mike DeWine, I think most conservatives agree, Mike DeWine has t- completely exceeded his authority uh, and that of the Ohio Health Director with his uh, policies that were put in place over a year ago now in March of last year, and they are still in place, many of them. Um, we finally got some action from the legislature. The General Assembly finally passed SB 22, then had it vetoed and overrode the veto, and that's good. But then the response was by Mike DeWine to repeal all of the individual orders that they might want to vote to stop and then consolidate them all into one giant order that it will be much more, much less likely, rather, that the um, General Assembly will vote to repeal the entire thing. So is there any belief whatsoever that there is you know, uh, that there's hope on the horizon for us in terms of regaining some of our lost liberties. I guess the good news is the legislature is in the fighting mood. Um, They've already expressed their desire to uh, reinstate liberty in our state. We're watching other states open up. We're seeing freedom can still ring in the United States. And I think there's an appetite in Ohio and at least the pressure from the constituencies for the state legislators to do the right thing. And we've got bold leadership in the House and Senate who's ready to roll. Um, this is, you know, this is what governors do. They do this slimy stuff where they try to hold on to power um, that has unquestionably been removed from them or reminded to them that it was not theirs to begin with. And they just find other ways to circumvent the process and hold on to any power that they can. It's absolutely disgusting, but it's what we're looking at. And it's no shocker considering the last 12 months track record. Um, I think we need to continue uh, to write call and ring the bell with our state legislators that they need to fight back on this, and they do need to um, repeal and override this overarching executive order. Because I can't tell you how many people I watched, even on social media over the last few days, celebrating, almost rejoicing in tears of joy that these orders were being removed. They're being, re- and they're waiting. I mean, these are normal moms and dads who just want their kids to be able to go to school and be on the playground without a mask in some type of tyrannical instance where the transmission doesn't even exist in elementary schools, yet we're forcing our children in these unhealthy habits. So normal moms and dads are paying attention in a way that they have never paid attention before, or at least never had to pay attention before. Maybe there were a lot of good stewards, but they weren't needed. And right now, the average person is so needed in this fight, in this discussion, and that's why we have to be on the front line pressing our legislators. I do think there's hope on the uh, other end of this. I mean, the fact that vaccine passports are being staunchly rejected in our state, um, that the legislature came out swiftly. Um, a lot of credit going to Katrona and Wojcik for a bill uh, restricting the use of vaccine passports in Ohio. Obviously, they have, you know, to get that through the process, but at least the message has been sent to the governor that that's not welcome here. I do applaud Governors like DeSantis and, and other states like Texas, Georgia, Tennessee, and Iowa have taken the right and constitutional perspective on this of preserving and protecting people's personal autonomy and liberties. Um, but this is 
this is not really a new fight, right? I mean, we're seeing the worst of it right now. Uh, but the reality is this power grab has been going on behind the scenes for our personal autonomy, our health freedoms, our medical freedoms, our religious rights. All of these liberties are always at the tug of war. And I remember when I was in the state legislature, I had doctors, nurses, average moms and dads coming to me and saying, I've been working in the medical profession for 30 years. And suddenly I'm being forced to take a influenza vaccine that has a high rate or lack of a low rate of efficacy, 22% in some years instances, and I'm being forced to take this against my will, either with my medical, religious, or philosophical exemption not being respected. I mean, I had a nurse coming to me who had a known and documented egg allergy. Um, She could not take what was in the vial and put it in her body without going into anaphylactic shock, and her medical board at the hospital in which she served is saying, sorry, you have to take it, no medical exemption for you. And now we're seeing that spread across our entire society. So I saw this door starting to open the legislature. I actually got a bill passed out of committee that would protect the personal autonomy of employees in the Ohio um, from having their job taken away from them if they wanted to preserve their personal medical autonomy and rights to accept or decline any vaccine of their choice. That should be 100% their freedom and their decision and their, their schedule at which they take those should be the business of no one. And now we're seeing this full-on press for vaccine passwords. I think we can see a blessing in that DeWine has not taken an aggressive step toward the vaccine passport. He's gotten that slap on the wrist from the legislature. He knows that there's no desire for this overreach to continue. So he's kind of struggling with the existing orders he has. But I don't see him trying to go toward a vaccine passport or this state will just implode. Two quick responses to that. Um, he said eight days ago there are currently no plans for a vaccine passport being required by the state. That does not mean it's not an outright say a statement that there, I will ban any such pa- uh, passport uh, uh, legislation that may be put forth here. Um, so you know, right. DeSantis and the others have. So that's number one. I don't trust DeWine at all, not even a little bit, not as much, not as far as he could throw me, which would not be far at right. all. Um, so current plans are one thing, but, but outright bans are another. And the second part of this is you referenced in most of what you just talked about employees, and you especially talked about the woman with the egg allergy and so forth. I'm not talking about employees. I'm worried about patrons. I'm worried about customers. I'm worried about citizens. And it's not just the state. There has to be legislation that comes out of that General Assembly that makes it illegal for individual businesses to discriminate against customers, not letting them come in through the doors, buy, sell, travel, or whatever, unless they have this vaccination. They have to respect all the things you just said, religious uh, um, uh, uh, observations or medical uh, lim- limitations or whatever reason somebody has for not getting a vaccine. We have to make sure that businesses, private businesses, cannot discriminate against citizens who who want to take advantage 100%. of their services and products. And that's something nobody, at least to my knowledge, uh, in the General Assembly thus far is talking about. Well, that's exactly what Katrona and, um, I apologize, Katrona and Wojcik are discussing. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you did say that. Okay, so that so that, yeah. that private part of it, yeah. thank you. I hope and that, that gains some supporters. Support, oh, absolutely, and I support it 1,000%. They were actually on Fox talking about, and this is how disturbing the reality of mainstream media is, the woman on Fox was like more, had more vitriol in her tone than if they were on CNN attacking them for this policy. And it's like, it's not a divisive issue. It's an issue of individual and personal liberty, which should be protected beyond anything else. And then you get into this debate, well, is it the private sector? Is it the right as a business? 
it's nobody's right to strip anybody's individual liberty and freedom and personal medical autonomy and decision making. And it's, it's just simply not. I mean, there's no, in the legislature, I had to make this hard decision when carrying the legislation on the influenza vaccine bill to protect employees' rights between businesses, which I come from a small business. I was raised in the apartment above small business. I love our small businesses and our private sector, our employers, and I know what they're up against. But when it comes down to discriminatory actions that even the WHO is now recognizing causes equity issues and Mm -hmm. um, recognizes that there's no proof of efficacy in this vaccine. We can't be making arbitrary roles in which people engage in a free society now suddenly have to take this or take that. And oh, by the way, that information will be recorded and used against you at some point in time when you're not complying to the degree that they wish you would. And we also have to keep in consideration, um, you know, a representative I always appreciated was Representative Jim Beakey. He always said, if you're ever in doubt, follow the money. And the reality is Big Pharma contributed openly $2.5 million in political contributions to Joe Biden. To give this some context, $646,000 was what was given to President Trump four years previous. If you want to tell me that Big Pharma does not have their hand in the federal government tracking our data and personal health issues, and there's no financial advantage to anybody, that's fine, but you're willingly, blatantly turning the cheek on the reality of what's happening in our country. Um, This is a serious violation of so many rights, and it will not stand constitutionally. And it'll put our private sector businesses in an extreme amount of litigation. I hope that uh, sitting members in the uh, General Assembly right now listen to everything that you just said. We'd be great if you were still there trying to make this uh, point in committee hearings or meetings. But, uh, but I hope they pay attention to that because every word you just said is right from a constitutional standpoint as well as from an economic and business standpoint. Uh, we're talking with a former uh, Ohio State Representative Christina Hagan for her regular Friday visit. Commentary on everything that's in the news and affects all of us. Great stuff as always. Thank you so much and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye, Bob. Thank you. Thank you, Christina Higgins. 1053, final segment coming up. AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1055, final short segment on AM 1420, The Answer. I asked Jane Timken... Uh, earlier this hour, why she supported Anthony Gonzalez's decision to impeach President Trump. Why she said that Anthony had a rational reason for voting to impeach President Trump without due process in the House of Representatives. She responded. Well, let me be very clear. I disagreed with Anthony Gonzalez's vote. Uh, it was unconstitutional, and it's the Democrats who are lawless and wrong. I've made that very clear. Has she made that very clear quote? He is my congressman. I think he's been a very effective legislator. I don't know if I would have voted the way he did. I think he's spending some time explaining to folks his vote, and I think he's got a rational reason why he voted that way. I think he's an effective legislator, and he's a very good person. Now, that's the direct quote from Jane Timken, February 1st, uh, as quoted by Cleveland.com. Does that sound like I think what he did was unconstitutional? 
that I think it was wrong, that I disagree with him wholeheartedly. Did that's I that's not what I heard. He made that very clear. Anthony Gonzalez is wrong. I've also called on him to resign because he cannot represent his constituents who are against that impeachment. So make that very clear. Well, well, if we're going to make that very clear, but, but if I may, I apologize, but if we're going to make that clear, I want to make this clear. You made that call for his uh, resignation after you announced your candidacy for the Senate, correct? Correct, but li- listen, the, what I said doesn't that kind of previously. doesn't that kind of lean toward politics rather than principle here? You really need Trump's. Like I said, it's a crowded field. You need Trump supporters to vote for you in the Republican primary for this Senate seat. How do we know that you're not just appealing to? Okay, I really didn't mean what I said about Anthony Gonzalez having a good reason before. I think he should resign now. How do we know that's not politics rather than principle? As I said, I disagreed with Anthony Gonzalez's vote. I've made that very clear. I have always been a supporter of President Trump. I've spent the last four years traveling the state of Ohio, advancing his agenda, talking about the great things that President Trump achieved for our country, the promises made and promises kept. I have been his supporter. I've been his strongest supporter in the state of Ohio. That is very clear. The people of Ohio know that I've been out there talking about President Trump for over the last four years and been his supporter. So I want to make sure that your listeners and the voters of Ohio understand that. Well, look, I, I appreciate that. But like I said, there there is some inconsistency there. When you said that Anthony Gonzalez, two things, actually, if you could respond to both these. Uh, number the first one will be that, you know, the chairs of several other state GOPs of the 10 Republicans in the House who joined the all of the Democrats to vote to impeach the president without due process. They censured their Congress members who voted that way here in Ohio. Even some county GOPs have done so. But the ORP that you chaired did not so number one why did you not hold a vote or issue a personal censorship of anthony gonzalez as uh, orp chair and then secondly you said that he had a rational reason for voting to impeach him what was that reason? i said he, he had his reasons i disagreed with his reasons don't put words in my mouth and let me make it very i did not put words in her mouth and she did not declare that it was his reasons and that she disagreed with them her statement was he had a rational reason why he voted that way and i think he's an effective legislature legislator if you want to hear the rest of the jane timkin interview that i had earlier this hour look at whkradio.com go to the podcast page listen for yourself and we'll talk to you monday bye-bye